Sports Radio 1043 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. All right, we're back. And we're going to go to the phones and joining us, the man who spends practically 24 hours a day on the water, just gleaning information so he can share it with us <laughs> from Tightline Outdoors, Nate Zielinski. Good morning, Nate. Good morning, Terry. Man, it, we, we're going to, at this point, have to go the entire year with good intros just because you're, you're, oh, you're already too far in to change it. The other shoe will drop, my friend. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, if the wind would die down, but, you know, we talked last week, you and I didn't, but on the show we talked about ways of fishing in the wind, and uh, it doesn't look like it's going to let up. My biggest fear right away, though, Nate, is on the front range, we're tinder dry, and I know we're going to talk fishing, but please, folks, be so careful right now because fires can start, and this wind, and, and I'm going to admit, I, I don't like wind. I'm a little tired of wind. When somebody tells me about a walleye, a walleye chop, or how the wind moves the fish. I just want to, oh, I just glare at them. <laughs> but anyway, we have it. It's here. But the fishing is getting good, isn't it? I'll tell you, Terry, it's by far the best walleye opener, we'll call it, I've ever had in history. You know, So this is my 22nd year of guiding here in Colorado. Uh, you know, A lot of people have kind of you know, seen me grow from a 17-year-old guide up to where we're at now. Um, and with the concept of long-term watching the bites, tracking everything, I've never seen the bites so good. Um, you know, Pueblo's fishing good, but Chatfield Cherry Creek are just fishing phenomenally. And we're on a really good year class of fish, so we're seeing lots of mature fish, lots of legal fish, just a lot of good fish. Um, extremely high numbers of fish, uh, everything. So, so fishing is good. And I have to say, Terry, I'm with you as far as normal lifestyle, the wind is a pain, right? It, it, it's not good for anything. It's really rough. Exactly. You're talking about with fire conditions. I know the turkey hunters out there are just hating the wind. Um, but with that said, this time of year, when we're dealing with, you know, spawning fish, post-spawning fish, March and April are a crankbait time of year. It's a trolling time of year. It's a, a presentation for walleyes where trolling outshines the live bait rigs, the jigs, and everything else. And with that said, that is when the windy conditions excel. So as much as I hate the wind, on a daily basis we're getting wind, and it is creating some phenomenal bites. It's it's stacking warm water on certain areas of the lake that's gathering bait fish, that's gathering walleyes. It's darkening the surface, so it's causing the walleyes to come up in the water column and not necessarily just coming up, but they're gathering at the same depth, and that's the biggest thing. Um, on a really calm day, you have some walleye shallow, some walleye deep, some walleye in between, and it's just harder to build patterns when it's got a really nice chop on top. Um, those walleye stacked at one level, and it just makes them easier to catch. It makes it easier for the angler to build a pattern. Um, so as much as I hate the wind, Terry, we are having a, a banner, you know, spring we'll call it. I mean, I would say our daytime trips, are producing on a guide trip type deal. We're doing 
30 to 60 fish during the day. Um, you know, the last couple nights I've been averaging 40 to 50 a night. Um, you just can't beat these type of numbers. And you throw in some, you know, 26, 28, a 30 inch fish here and there. Um, I mean, it's, it is hard to beat. So fishing is good. And, uh, despite the wind, I'm, I'm very happy with conditions right now. I want to hit on a couple points about the, you know, I, Obviously, facetiously, I mean, I don't like the wind. I really don't. I'll catch less fish and have better boat control and pleasant time. But it does, and you have to understand how to use it. One of the things I think I'll put my two cents worth in is talk about how it stacks the fish. Obviously, the breaking of the waves on the water does affect the light penetration. It also affects the level of the plankton, which affects the bait fish. It also affects the location of the plankton, which affects the bait fish. So it does gather fish. I couldn't agree with you more. The thing comes when most people approach these situations is controlling their boat, even trolling in a windy situation to keep their lines in the right strike area, but also to get the right action on a lure. Because sometimes those surging waves, whether you're going with them or into them, will change your speed. It'll change your presentation. What are your tips on trolling in the wind? Absolutely, Kay. So so I put my all my focus um in trolling either whether i'm trolling with the wind so i'm going with the wind just pushing me or i'm in the trough of the wave so the wind is hitting me broadside um i rarely troll into the wind for two reasons trolling into the wind is way too hard on my boat control uh and number two the fish tend to look into the wind at at approaching food getting blown with the wind um so when you troll a Control into the wind per se. Um, your bait goes over the fish's head backwards, and it just doesn't present as nice of a cadence on that bait. So I'm putting all my focus of trolling with the wind or in the trough. Um, with that being said, there is a couple things that you can do. So if you have big enough waves and you're trolling with the wind, your boat's going to start to as it goes up and down each wave, you're going to get surges. So you're going to be fast slow, fast slow. Um, so you can throw out like a drift sock, um, and that's going to really steady things up. When the water's warm, those surges can actually increase bites. When the water's cold like this, we want our bait running as steady as possible. So, you know, having a drift sock out, even if your kicker's still in gear or your main engine's in gear, even if your electric motor is still pulling you, the drift sock is more steadying things. It's not necessarily there to slow you down. It's more to stabilize the speed um, and help you out in those regards. So trolling with the wind, that's one of those type concepts. Um, when you're trolling into with what we call trolling in the trough, so the wind's hitting you broadside, that's probably the hardest. Um, and this is one of those things where I optimize every ability that my boat has. So, you know, I'm on a tourney, tournament ready like Nitro ZB21. So on my boat, I will literally have my main engine turned one direction, turning, say, into the wind. I will have my kicker, which is on a tiller handle, pointed the opposite direction. Then I'll have my bow mount making minor corrections. So my main engine is just acting as a steering column. My kicker is doing 80, 90% of the pushing, and my electric is fine-tuning it. It it sounds difficult, but by utilizing all those options, I can have flawless control. Um, I can really maintain my speed to where I don't have one side of the boat extremely fast one side of the boat extremely slow um and and i can kind of you know work my magic and catch those fish so the goals i think is probably the biggest thing to talk about in the the concept of fishing in the wind one don't be afraid of it i talked to anglers this week that it was blowing um and obviously you have to keep safety in mind you know don't don't 
do this if you don't have the proper equipment for it. But I saw so many anglers running to the side of the lake that the, that was blocked from the wind. And they're like, oh, we want to get out of the wind because it's a pain. As opposed to me, I was heading to the shore that had the wind hitting it. Because, um, again, it's gathering the fish. So that's the one thing is if you have the equipment to do it, um, you're going to be more successful in kind of those rougher conditions, unfortunately. And two, um, just think about your bait. You know, all that you're asking yourself in your head is, what is my bait doing? What level is it at? How fast is it going? Is it surging? And then you start looking at all the tools and the proper ways to maintain that, whether it's trolling, you know, with the wind, trolling in the trough, using electric motors, side drifting, drift socks, and all of those other manners. You're trying to maintain all your baits at the same speed. Um, or if you can't maintain all your baits at the same speed, at least be knowledgeable um, to notice what is working. Um, you know, I had a, a day the other day where I had to kind of camp the waves, so I was kind of going into them at a 45, and no matter what I did, it was, you know, a 40-mile-an-hour wind. I was trolling planer boards, and my right side boards were just going slightly faster. So my outside board was going the fastest, and as they tapered in, they slowed down, and then my inside of my boat on my left side, my furthest outboard was the slowest. Um, and I had a magic speed. You know, my boat was doing 1.6 miles an hour, but whatever reason on that planer board, it was like the second one out. It had that magic speed. And it was catching most of the fish. So instead of just saying, oh, it's just the one board catching fish, you know, try to notice, like, why, when I catch a fish, why did I catch that fish? Is it speed? Is it depth? Is it the area that the bait was traveling over? Um, and at least make notice of that to where you can try to replicate it on as many of the rods as possible um, just to increase your options of catching more fish. Um, but I think the biggest thing is just think about your bait. Don't think about the boats. Don't think about your planer board or your lead core, your rod. Think about the bait. Always think about the bait, what the bait's doing, and then do everything within your means um, to control that, stabilize it, uh, and make it you know a pattern that you can repeat. And, and that's really how you're going to achieve more success uh, in these type of situations. And then the other kind of concept we always have to throw out there, um, you've heard us talk about it for months now, so I don't think it's to beat it up too much, but... The concept of, you know, daytime, we do have a great bite with lead core fishing in the mud. If you're fishing in the mud, your bait has to be inches off bottom, and you are low in the water column. But where things change um, in these heavy winds, we're doing a lot of pulling crankbait up in the water column, suspended. And, and the biggest mistake that I've been seeing, especially in this last week, Terry, is anglers fishing too deep, especially in low light periods. The first couple hours of the day, the last couple hours of the day, and then obviously if you're out there night fishing. So many anglers this week that I have talked to, we come into the boat dock having a 50 fish night, you know, limit the walleye, and they're not having that success. Um, and it's because they're fishing too deep. When those walleyes are up in the water column, they are always going to sit below the prey. So they're always going to sit below the bait fish and they're going to feed upwards on those bait fish. So the biggest mistake you can make is fishing too deep. So when I go out starting to pull crankbaits, um, if I don't really have the concept of where the bait's at, where the walleyes are at, how deep my bait's going, if you want to break it down into the easiest factor, start high and work your way down. Put on some confidence baits, put on a variety of colors, but start way up. I mean, don't be afraid to fish, you know, just below the surface and then just slowly keep dropping your bait down um, as opposed to most things start deep and work up. My suggestion, start high and just work your way down. It'll shock you how many fish you'll catch uh, that you didn't even notice were there because they were so high in the water column. But don't be the angler making the mistake of fishing too deep on suspended fish. Uh, they're way more likely to go up than down in all situations. 
I want to make a couple points. I agree with everything you said there. <clears throat> a couple points. One is when you're understanding how the water, the, the wind is moving the fish, you know, if the wind just suddenly switches direction, the fish don't swim across the lake. Other fish will get active over there. Bait will eventually get pushed in. But if you have a couple days or even a long day where the wind is blowing one direction, that will tend to start positioning the plankton and then the bait and then the, the predator fish will follow. And this is an opportunity we always hear, Nate, people want to catch walleyes from shore. This is a time where if you've had a steady wind blowing into maybe a rocky area or a feeding flat that you can cast to from shore, and it's been going on for a day or two, this might be a time when you could take advantage of that short-time bite. Absolutely, Terry. I couldn't agree more. And honestly, like when I approached the water, let's just say I was going to go out there this morning, everybody's looking at the current wind, um, which can make a difference for sure. But yesterday's wind or last night's wind is far more important than the, you know, the conditions that are starting five minutes ago. Um, so every time I approach the water, I'm watching the previous day's conditions. Then I know where that warm water is going to be, where the food's going to be and where the fish are going to be. And I couldn't agree more. If you as a shore angler uh, of all times of the year, especially in the walleye world, if you want to have success, definitely chase that wind. Use this to your advantage. Um, you know, and, and it's, even though it's windy from shore and I hear anglers talk about casting, you know, some of the jerk baits we're fishing, they're long, narrow, um, and they're fairly easy to cast in this wind. The biggest thing, uh, I mean, this is kind of going off topic, but when you cast, when you're fishing in the wind, you're going to follow through with your cast a little more to where instead of you being a really sharp break, so let's just say you're doing the 10 to 2 type cast, where you kind of finish your cast, so many anglers have a real sharp break, and that's where that bait might start to kind of wobble, and that bait will turn broadside, then it won't go very far in the wind. If you have a little smoother tailing to your cast, really getting the the you know, the butt or the end of that bait to fly straight. If you can keep that bait aerodynamic, even in the wind, you can get it to cast a mile. So really what we do is we call it following through with our cast. And you can still take a lot of these jerk baits, your rogues, your husky jerks, um, you know, and these variety of baits, and you can make a long cast in the wind. Um, and, and these fish will be stacked right on shore. The combination of a good cast fishing that windward side, uh, you can have some great opportunities. Numbers of fish and big fish right now from shore, absolutely. Couple of minutes left. What else is going on besides walleyes? You know, the walleye bite's hot. We're starting to see the bass going on strong, so we are we are beating that up hard. Um, but I do have to say that we I you know have some friends. I even was able to jump on the on the shore for just a minute. Um, the shore opportunity for some big giant rainbows in the mountains is absolutely on. Um, you know, our rivers tend to have spawning fish earlier, so those natural fish in the rivers spawn early, but all the reservoir fish tend to spawn right now. So it's mid April to early May. Um, you know, so you're 11 miles, and, and you know especially the inlets and the boat docks and those type places, you know, bays, you know, creeks coming in. Um, but all of those opportunities are going. So a lot of our mountain lakes, um, depending on where you're at in the state, some of them are, you know, just starting to show some open water. Some of our mountain reservoirs are 50% open water already. Um, so your, you know, your Anteros, your 11 miles, those type fisheries have enough open water to where shoreline fishing is producing some giant fish. Um, I'm actually leaving the spinning rods at home. I'm going straight to a fly rod, you know, we're fishing a lot of egg patterns, fishing a lot of leeches, fishing, you know, worms, um, but the shallow water opportunity for some big giant trout uh, up in the mountains right now is at 
full tilt. Uh, so I highly encourage anglers, if you're looking to just do something different, um, hit those shores. Even if everything was open for boating, I would probably still select to fish from shore right now for those big spawning rainbows. So a lot of opportunity there, and I encourage anglers to take advantage of it for sure. Last question I have, do you have any indication when spinning might open? The wind is beating up the ice right now, so I think that we are going to have open water conditions sooner than later. So I think the shoreline opportunity will be soon. Um, the water level is still very low, so it's just going to be a, a, a matter of time to see how much water they are able to hold and build before we see it actually open to boating. So there's kind of a, a two-part question there. Um, I'm hoping by next week's show we'll have some more information on that uh, as far as exact date, times, and opportunities. All right, my friend, if people want more information, how do they find you? Absolutely. You can always go to our website, tightlineoutdoors.com. Go to our Facebook page. We're posting updates daily about walleye fishing and everything else going on. Uh, so just search out Tightline Outdoors. Uh, and then we mentioned the last couple times, if you would like a guide trip, get a hold of us sooner than later. Uh, the calendar is filling up very quick. Uh, and if you've ever wanted to catch some walleyes, uh, I encourage you to get out right now. It is hot. All right, my friend. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you. You bet. We're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, Austin Parr is going to join us, and we're going to continue this discussion. We're going to get you on fish. All that more coming up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Bob Krieger will get your toe tapping. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Let's go to the phones, and joining us from Discount Fishing Tackle is Austin Parr. Good morning, Austin. Good morning, Terry. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. Real quick, I want to go over subject. I don't know if you got to listen to much. Nate and I were talking. Nate says he's fishing Cherry Creek and Chatfield trolling, and the bite is just phenomenal. And he's, he said that's really probably the best way to catch those fish right now. He's probably right, but... A lot of people don't have the equipment or don't have the right boat to troll with. So I want to pick your brain on if I was going to go out to Cherry Creek and Chatfield right now, even though it might not be the best way to fish for those walleyes, if I don't troll or I'm not set up to troll or don't feel comfortable trolling, how else might I approach them right now? Certainly and the, the wind, would, wind and calm, too. Definitely. So I would be definitely considering Chatfield more than Cherry Creek at the moment. The rock face extends out deeper than Cherry Creek does. And there's been quite a few folks still having good success throwing jerk baits along those rock faces. So uh, along the North Boat Ramp area, working south over to Massey Draw and over by the Tower, all have been pretty worthwhile areas. And then the, the new structures over to the east by the Handicap Pier and the Marina area also or have been holding some fish. And like you mentioned, it might not be the absolute best thing in the world, but a low-light period, uh, night and, and into the night bite with jerk baits like a Rappel of Shadow Wrap, uh, husky jerks have been working well, as, and then uh, some of your older cutters and new Berkeley Stunna jerk baits all have been worthwhile. And I would think that... Um, that- People, our biggest problem they're going to have lately is going to be holding their boat in place to make these presentations. In fact, you might even be able to make them better from shore right now if the wind is blowing in and those fish are shallow. But one of the things that people overlook all this at uh, this time of the year, especially when the wind is blowing, um, you and I have things like spot lock on our trolling motors, and that can hold us in place even in some severe winds. But if you don't have that, 
don't be afraid to put an anchor down and work a spot. Would you agree with that? Totally agree. I mean, even with my spot anchor systems, I always carry an anchor just in case I were to have an issue with a, a trolling motor with a battery or the motor malfunctioning or anything like that. And having that anchor and or maybe two anchors really can help hold you in place. And I have used that for years before spot anchor and having you really lock into place instead of having to try and work either an outboard or an electric motor, especially in a heavier wind really can have boat control become easy. And then you can just sit there and focus on fishing and work an area thoroughly and then move down a little ways and drop that anchor once again. So I completely agree with that. And then one thing on the anchor at this time of year with all these winds that we've been having, having a good heavy chain is pretty important. If you just tie straight with a rope, uh, a lot of times you'll drag. So having a, a heavy chain on the front of that keeps that rope uh, from pulling on the anchor directly and you can have a better time holding in place. Now, another thing too, uh, uh, people are interested in the two anchor system. I actually have a video on my YouTube channel, Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom. It's called Horse Tooth Perch. And what I do is I take the two anchor system and I show you how to position right over fish that I've located on my electronics and then move the boat by moving the anchor ropes so I stay on top of them. So if you're interested in what we're talking about, go to the Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom and look at Horsetooth Perch. Even though the perch aren't as prolific at Horsetooth as they used to be, you'll get a really great idea about the system. The other thing I would think, Austin, is that um, with those fish being shallow, casting those jerk baits, I would think the smallmouth bass would be starting to come on and hit those same that same presentation. And they have been. So the day bite for the walleyes at Crabfield has been just a little bit slower on the jerk baits. Uh, some folks are picking up some here and there. The night and evening has been better, but the exact opposite is true for those smallmouth. So they are still in a pre-spawn type mode at the moment where they need to get quite a bit of additional water temperatures before they'll start to get onto beds. But they've been eating and at Chatfield especially, there's a ton of little smallmouth. But in the early spring and late fall, those two time periods are when I catch my best smallmouth. And jerkbaits uh, a lot of times can be very good, but folks have also been doing well with fathead minnows underneath slip bobbers. Uh, the fatheads this time of year are very big and robust and good strong minnows, so it's great. I'll throw a slip bobber out there and then I'll work my jerkbait with long pauses. Uh, whites and perch colors both have been working good on those jerkbaits for the smallmouth. All right, let's move on. What other kind of fishing? People want to get out. The weather looks like it's going to be really warm starting next week. It's going to be a little breezy yet, but where are some of the best bites going to be? Where would you go fishing? As Nate was mentioning just on the segment prior, the mountain trout fishing is a fantastic way to go right now. And Obviously, a lot of anglers want to focus on a certain species of fish, but if you want to truly be a well-rounded angler in Colorado that is catching the best bites at all times, springtime like this is a great opportunity to head up to the mountains. Uh, those trout are going to be spawning in the lake settings, and 11 Mile, I've seen quite a few pictures even of the last couple of days, and there's plenty of open water to be fishing along the shorelines, and Spinney will be open soon after, especially with this wind. Uh, Antero was holding still quite a bit of ice last week, but that's a dynamic situation as well with this wind. So those trout move up on the shallows, and they'll get into big schools and, and work spawning runs, and you can catch them in a variety of different ways, but having an egg fly under an indicator and uh, fishing on the wind-blown shorelines, although uncomfortable, is my favorite way to go. You can wade out just a little ways, and 
Uh, if, if you have the ability to have a heavier fly rod, even up into the seven weight type lines, I'll utilize that in an indicator situation even just to be able to punch that wind. But those mud lines start forming on the edges of your, your shorelines. And getting those egg flies out there, I'll typically even just do a double egg rig, but then you can break out some uh, balanced leeches still in that same situation as well and trail an egg behind. But let it just sit there and, and work its way in uh, on the waves, pick up and cast back out again. And when you get a good area of fish concentration, you can find yourself in big numbers of big fish. And uh, it's a great opportunity to go and do that. But then the river fishing also is going to be good right now, too. You'll have spawning runs out of these lakes up above Spinney and Stagecoach and 11 Mile. All those uh, lakes have anywhere that has a, a good population of rainbows or cut bows with a nice river up above will be good with that. But then speaking of rivers as well, the Arkansas and the Colorado are still going to be good this next week. Uh, it's starting to turn a little bit off color, but if you're fly fishing, big dark stone flies as well as San Juan worms are going to be worthwhile. These freestone rivers don't harbor as big of populations of rainbows or cut bows typically. So the brown trout are, are the predominant species. So I'm not fishing as many egg flies in those rivers. But streamers uh, in the darker colors, big articulated slump busters and sculpzillas can be good. And certainly breaking out a, a jig or a jerkbait in those uh, high water and off-color water scenarios can also be very effective. Give me a real quick, we're really out of time, but what have you heard about the Northeast Reservoirs? So Pruitt is full. All the lakes are full out there. Jackson had a pretty poor survey this year, so that's not looking quite as good. A couple-year classes missing or a single-year class out of Jumbo, but uh, overall the surveys look good. Uh, docks are not in at Pruitt. Voting is open, however, at Sterling. All right, my friend, if people want more information or book a trip with you, how do they, how do they find you? I'm at Discount Fishing Tackle. We're six blocks south of Evans on the west side of Santa Fe. All right, we will talk to you again soon, my friend. Thanks so much, Gary. You bet. Austin Parr, always a great, great, great resource. We're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, we're going to switch things up and talk some shooting right here on Terry Wisham Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Woo! Jim Croce, that was a man making some music, died way too young. Great songwriter, great, great performer. You're listening to Terry Wixom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan, presented in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. Let's go to the phones and joining us, our shooting expert, Mr. J.R. Pierce from Colorado Clays. Good morning, J.R. And good morning, Terry. It's, uh, you got it. before we get into shooting, you got to tell me the truth. Even with this wind blowing, it has to have been tugging at you to get on the water. Well, Terry, I honestly have been doing some trolling and bouncing around and uh yeah the lakes are coming up uh haven't checked the water temp but i did put new batteries in the boat last week i suspect this week i'm gonna be going do you need my phone number <laughs> yeah i'll text you <laughs> <laughs> all right hey let's talk about colorado clays you know we talk about all the resources the individuals obviously we encourage individuals to get out there and shoot because of everything you offer and the way you treat people and everything but let's go through some different maybe types of shooters or reasons why i shoot what if i just want to come out there with family and friends what are you going to offer me well and terry going into the time of year now it's warming up 
Um, that's a really good question. And, you know, being a family-owned and operated facility for over 25 years now, we really do cater to and truly enjoy having these folks as the core of our business. And by friends and family, I mean a husband and a wife, maybe the kids, grandparents, relatives in town, see lots of that. Friends, just random groups of friends, co-workers, neighbors, uh, whatever it might be, Colorado Clays has recreational firearms activities available to these groups, no matter what types of firearms they have. And we're talking, Terry, over and over, trap, skeet, wobble trap, sporting clays for the shotguns, that zero to 25 yard pistol range for, with a target return system for pistols, uh, that rifle facility, which has 50 and 100 yard options with video viewing, um, just really truly have something for anybody and everybody that might want to come out. And you know, just while we're at it, a couple of frequently asked questions are, do we need our own shotgun to shoot at Colorado Clays? And no, uh, we do have good quality rental guns that can be reserved with just a phone call. Uh, people also ask if their group only has one firearm, whether it's a rifle, pistol, or a shotgun. Can we share a gun? And the answer is yes, Terry. Um, our rifle and pistol facility, we charge per person per hour. So there's really not the confusion of how many bays or this or that. People are welcome to come out, take turns with that firearm. And um, one last thing I will say, Terry, is even if you don't have someone to ride with you to Colorado Quays, uh, you can still come enjoy anything we offer as an individual because all of our ranges, courses, and fields can be operated by a single person using delays, voice releases, or return systems. And, of course, best of all, we are Colorado's premier public shooting facility, so anyone can come anytime with no memberships or reservations required. What about if I'm more of a specialty shooter? Let's say I'm a bird hunter, a big game hunter. Can you help me tailor my activities to what I want to do? What helps me with my other activities? Yep, another great question, Terry. So for the hunters, um, at Colorado Clays, we have everything you need to prepare for just about any hunt. And like say with the bird hunters, whether it's turkeys, doves, ducks and geese, upland birds, what have you, um, as always, we've always recommended spend some time at the Colorado Clay Shotgun Pattern Area to confirm point of aim, point of impact. And, uh, Terry, as we've been talking about these turkey season, and by the way, we have had oodles of people come out and get those turkey guns dialed in, it is so important to know your equipment's pattern and characteristics and, therefore, your effective range uh, when you do get in the field. As far as, let's say, upland birds, uh, we do have trap, but as we always preach, that wobble trap uh, overlaid onto our skeet field offers an endless number of bird flush representations and absolutely recommend that for anybody going to go do some upland hunting. Water, waterfowl hunters, um, they flock literally to our sporting clays course because uh, we have such a huge variety of target presentations that will represent almost anything you find in the field. Now, as far as the big game, Terry, some do rifle and pistol. Um, our facility has padded benches and seats, uh, rests for the rifles, radiant heat, video viewing, um, everything you can possibly need. And being that it is that kind of hybrid semi-outdoor facility, we're very muzzleloader friendly as well. So I encourage anybody getting ready for season to come out and take advantage of all that as well. Did you have one like a 
trap or skeet that will pause the clay in the air so I can aim at it better? <laughs> I got a dirt bank out here for you, Terry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, well, if I'm coming out to Colorado Clays, do I have to be a competitive or expert shooter, or can I be just a beginner? Well, we absolutely cater to beginners as well as experts, Terry. And we have many programs dedicated just to beginning shooters, and they offer skill and safety-appropriate areas so that anyone can come and feel comfortable and learn at their own pace. And this is really important to new shooters. Get asked that a lot. Uh, For example, we've talked about our trap number one. We dedicated that trap with a straightaway target uh, standing right behind it just for establishing good fundamentals um, uh, and repeating them until, and before we move on to the next level. And that is available to anyone, anytime. I will also say, Terry, that we do programs. You know, you hear a lot of about kids' soccers and football and stuff. But we have um, uh, events for Boy Scouts, for 4-H, for high schools, for college programs with special pricing for those kids as they learn and enjoy the world of shooting sports. So that is out there and available to anyone as well, and I would like them to call and uh, check on that. I will say now a lot of the new shooters, Terry, with new firearms are actually in the interest of personal and home defense. And I, uh, we have the ultimate practice for uh, the home defense person and their firearm in our pistol facility and our rifle side and that has really just come out built familiarity and confidence in your ability to handle that new firearm in the uh, event you ever need it as far as the competitive aspects uh example today we're having a nsca registered tournament uh, on our course we're just loaded up right now um that is something we offer and anybody can get in on but we also have less formal trap leagues Skeet leagues, sporting clays leagues, and of course, state-of-the-art facility that any competitive shooter can use for practice before a competition. Uh, other things we do also include military and law enforcement, security services, practice, and qualifying for their agencies. And uh, it, you know, we encourage anyone interested in any of those to give us a call, and we'll set up a time where we can make sure we take care of you. What about if I need some classes? Uh, my my daughter and her significant just bought their first handguns, and I told them not to even purchase ammunition until they get some handgun training and get the proper safety training and then get their, their concealed carry and understand the law. Do you offer all that? Absolutely, Terry. So we have introductory classes um, for rifles, pistols, and shotguns. We offer individual instruction um, in all of those as well, so we can be more personal and specific to your needs. Um, as, and we also do the concealed carry classes. So anything you can possibly need, if you're more comfortable in a class setting or if you'd rather have some personal um, uh, instruction with a one-on-one with an instructor, give us a call, check the dates, set something up. Uh, we can definitely take care of that. You know, one of the other things you you kind of brushed on when you mentioned you have special rates for some of these youth groups, you also do a lot of uh, fundraisers and corporate events out there. Tell people about the facilities and how they can take advantage of that. Absolutely. So 
Terry, you know, Colorado Clays, I think we've said many times, we can handle groups of several people up to several hundred people. And the known fact, Colorado Clays is Colorado's number one destination for these types of events. Whether it is a corporate corporate or company outing for employees, customers, associates, or a fundraising opportunity that supports a cause by offering a day of shooting recreation coupled with the endless possibilities and experience brought to the table by Colorado Clays staff and our facility. So there's truly no better venue than Colorado Clays to host and hold uh, a large event that includes shooting. And just as a side note, Terry, um, we have our 2,400 square foot tent with tables and chairs for uh, lunches and presentations. Our sporting clays course is set up to process huge numbers of people in quick time so everything moves. And uh, we've been doing this for a long time, and I would encourage anybody thinking about it to give us a call. Now, the last thing, one of my pet peeves is when hunters take their guns out two weeks before the hunting season to sight in, and our mantra on the show has always been, don't get ready to hunt, stay ready. People who, I know big game season was over a couple months ago, yeah, a few more than that even. People need to be out now checking that equipment, sighting in, getting ready, making sure they have ammo, and practicing to be comfortable. Don't you agree? Totally agree, Terry. And year after year, we see it over and over. The people with the highest success rates are the folks that we see throughout the year maintaining their equipment. Uh, if they are doing a different load or have different ammo they had to purchase by uh, not by choice, they're still out here making sure that they are dialed in and ready to go. And, of course, we're here for anybody, whether it's for preparation or just recreation. So you must take advantage of Colorado Clay's facility, and uh, we would really enjoy having you. Last question. I said last one was last, but I lied. Do you have a handgun range where I might be able to outshoot Karen? I don't know that they make one, Terry. <laughs> 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 You're probably right, but I'll just have to live with that. Tell people how they find you, Jr. Give us a call, 303-659-7117, or go to coloradoplays.com. Uh, check out our pricing, everything we have to offer, and for sure take the virtual tour, uh, get a look at our facility. But by all means, um, come see us, and uh, we're looking forward to you. All right, my friend, we will talk soon. we got to get on the water soon, too. Yes, keep your phone on. All right, I will. Thanks, JR. All right, Terry. Bye. JR from Colorado Clays. We'll take a timeout. When we come back, we'll have more of Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. That recent cut was also from an EP out by Wickstrom and Dobrith. Search us on social media or on uh, on any of your streaming services and we'll take a listen to some of our music. We'd appreciate it. Hey, speaking of social media, follow this show on Facebook. 
uh, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. We tell you what's coming up. I put links to podcasts, like we had some great fishing advice on the show. I'll link those on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors to the podcast. We also have links whenever Karen puts a new video up on our YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom. And you should go to The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom. Almost every technique we talked about on the show today, the jerk baits, there's a video on that. The trolling with planer boards, Gary Darling and I did two shows at Glendo Reservoir doing just that. We give you the specifics on how to set it up. And some of the other, and the double anchoring, if you don't have spot lock on your trolling motor, how to use that is under the horse tooth perch show. So go take a look at those and follow us. Walleyes are on fire right now, and the trout ice off shoreline trout fishing, both front range and in the mountains, is spectacular. Now, is Mr. Dan Jacobs in the studio? Good morning, fine sir. Well, I have two questions for you. One is personal and one is Broncos. The first one is, after the uh, uh, incredible reception to your new theme song when it was introduced, will people get to hear that sometime during your show today? It will be coming up uh, right at 1.30 this afternoon, as a matter of fact. All right, so they need to tune in. Who, by the way, who recorded that for you? Uh, the uh, hottest new pop sensation, uh, Wickstrom and Dobris, <laughs> available on all your streaming services. <laughs> all right. Hey, <clears throat> seriously, though, the question I do have, if you were the Broncos general manager and you were Which looking I at the be. draft. Yes, I should be, yes. Yeah, well, we know that. Uh, you, will tell, you will remind us over the next couple hours of that several times, I'm sure. Um Without a first-round pick, as you look at, they still have quite a few picks. Would you be looking at the best available person at where you pick, or would you be trying to manipulate those picks to target a certain position that you really think the Broncos need to improve? Yeah, I think that, you know, when you're looking at the draft and you have that much capital, I think they have nine picks total, I believe. Uh, you know, I, me personally, I want, I want quality players. If you can trade up some of that garbage in the back half of the draft and get some more premium picks, you know, because you're, you're missing out on first, you know, you, you have one second-round pick. It's the last pick in the second round, so it's essentially a third-round pick. Um, if I could trade up into some premium positions, uh, I'm more interested in doing that. But the draft is you kind of got to play the, you know, the hand as it's coming. It's, it's kind of like a game of poker. I don't think you can go into it with one set strategy. Um, now, here's one thing I disagree with. Though. A lot of people say, well, you always just go with best player. I think if you have needs and you're, you're, you're saying, I want to build a roster because they've essentially said, we're, we're pretty much done in free agency. We may add one more piece, but we want to make our playoff run through the draft now, filling in the rest of our roster through the draft. Well, then you need to pick players that fill those needs. That's what you need to do. Uh, is there a couple positions that you feel they really still need to target? Well, yeah, I think, you know, well, offensive line, they always need to be adding depth there. They still need a running back. If, if I personally, I would bring back Melvin Gordon, but they need a running back. But I think they need to get that later in the draft. Uh, they could, they can certainly add a tight end um, and linebacker. All right, my friend, I will let you go so I can close this out. And you Are can you going to sing us out? On time. Are you going to sing huh? us live on the air? No, I'm not going to sing live on the air. Oh, come on, Terry. 
All right. We'll we'll get it to you in just a minute. I want to thank everybody for listening. Thanks to Ty and Karen for keeping me on the air and making it look like I know what I'm doing. Join us every Saturday from 9 to 11 for Terry Wicks from Outdoors. Follow us on social media, Terry Wicks from Outdoors. And we'll let the Eagles take us to the top of the hour in sports with Dan Jacobs.